Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me again. Again, my name is Swadik Mayanja, but I uh, you can call me Q, and I am Q the nurse. And we are on another episode of the Everyday Hero Show, where I bring you someone in my life or someone in your life that brings us joy and happiness, but does not get the credit that they deserve. Today, today, ladies and gentlemen, nurses everywhere. I have Nurse Liz on the show. Thank you so very much for coming on. Of course. Hi. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to be here with you. Wonderful. I'm happy. I'm happy that you're here. Um, so for just to give a mini, real mini, I did my little bit of research on who Nurse Liz is. Nurse Liz is um, an advanced practicing registered nurse. She's a family nurse practitioner. She was, I don't know if she still is, but I do know that she was a travel PICU nurse. Um, and she is um, the founder of Scrub Life Dreaming, which is a whole lot of things going on in her nursing yeah. life. And that is why, my friend, she's on the show, so she can share some of this greatness with the rest of us. So um, starting from the get, Nurse Liz, starting from the get, Liz, um, yes. do, me for, do me this favor. Tell me your origin story. Where are you from? Um, where, uh, and then tell me real quick why nursing, and then we'll get into the details in a little bit. Yes, of course. So I'm originally from Houston, Texas, born and raised there. Um, where I come from is a low socioeconomic community. Um, my family is originally from Mexico. And so growing up, I would always see poverty, not only, you know, in Mexico, here in, in the US, it was just mainly just low socioeconomic. So nothing compared to poverty, of course. So my origination always began with like, I want to give back, I want to be that person to ultimately be the voice for the people who don't have a voice. Yes. Be the education yes. and bring forth education to a community and to hopefully a rural, to the rural communities and to the countries that actually need it. Um, so why I, a nurse? My aunt was actually a nurse in Mexico. Mm. Uh, at the age of 15, she actually ended up passing away. And she passed away from medical malpractice. So that really touched me, really hit me hard. And I knew that I had to be that provider that would not allow for that to happen again. So this was obviously preventable. She had initially gone in for surgery of colon cancer. They ultimately ended up leaving a instrument inside of her during the surgery. Post-surgery, they couldn't figure out what was going on, ended up dying from sepsis, and then obviously post-mortem they did the autopsy and found that there was an instrument left inside so oh my god well hit me exactly yeah, yeah. so right off the bat Liz I'm, I'm 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 just I'm so sorry that's rough um and yeah. that's just horrific I I, I don't want to don't want to go into the depths of that because it's a sad thing to talk about but if you don't mind me asking was she on the younger side was she on the older side no she was young she was in her 30s so oh my she god Exactly. I am so sorry. And I'm that's so sorry. okay. And how old were you when all of this happened? So I was 15 years old. Oh, and geez. so that soon inspired me to go on and obtain my CNA. I knew that I wanted to be in the medical field. Didn't necessarily know what path, whether I was going to be a doctor. Um, someone then later introduced me into the nurse practitioner route, and that's ultimately the route that I chose to take. But so 15 that happened at 16 years old, you know, with that burning you know, still pain, but love, I knew that I had to go and, and try to push myself. Congratulations. My goodness. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a reason to become a healthcare provider. Good for you, Liz. Good. For, my goodness. I know. I'm over here just, just picking random uh, majors at a catalog at a college. <laughs> so you were meant to do what you were meant to do. And I can, I can say that honestly, because you have taken this career that is nursing and you have allowed it to sprout into something amazing. Like you have taken this to an entirely different level which uh, which I love obviously you see me hardcore on the social because that's I love to share my love for nursing with the world and you just are the epitome of what a nurse uh, should be and I and I love that so let's get into the details so you became a nurse um, so right out of high school you went to college did you do the associate's degree program straight to BSN did you do just a regular nursing program and then went straight into your master's how was your nursing education how, how did that process go? Oh, so ultimately, I knew 
what I wanted to do, obviously. I had chosen my career path at 17. Mm. I chose the nurse practitioner route versus the doctor route specifically because I knew that I wanted to, because my mentor at the time was like, well, what is your ultimate goal? What do you want to do? I'm like, I honestly just want to own a clinic. I want to be able to give back to the community that helped to raise me. That's what I truly want to do. And so she's like, well, did you know that NPs exist? I'm like, nurse practitioner, what is that? She's like, as a nurse practitioner, you are allowed to open up a clinic and you basically have the same functionality that a doctor does. You order labs, you see your patients, you diagnose them, you refer them. And so I knew clearly what my goal was. So straight after high school, I went straight for my BSN. Was it easy? No, because I came from a low socioeconomic community where, you know, education was not appreciated. I was not prepared for college. First semester in college, I had like a 2.0 GPA. Like it was just bad. What I was supposed to have already come with the knowledge, I was trying to learn on top of what they are teaching during the school. So it was definitely hard, but I managed to catch up by doing mini semesters, summer semesters, and just, you know, obviously the passion that I had fueled it. I was like, there's no way that I'm allowed, going to allow it to, you know, hinder me. So got my bachelor's at the age of 21. And then after that, I got my dream job. I got accepted, uh, or sorry, got the offer letter to work at a um, Wiscott MD Anderson Children's Cancer Hospital. So oh. I worked with so, kids. I'm sorry, this is still in Texas, right? This is in Texas? Texas, exactly. Okay. So... Fortunately, this is kind of a perk that I learned later on, many of the hospitals, you know, who are magnet status or maybe even not, but for sure in Houston, they offer you money to go back to school and become, you know, whatever it is. If you want to be an APRN in education or a nurse practitioner, they offer you that money. So that definitely helped me a lot towards going back to school. Mm. Um, so I had about eight months of experience whenever I applied to become, uh, you know, to get into the NP program. And then by the time I actually started the nurse practitioner program, I had a year and a couple of months in. So, yeah. So you weren't playing around Liz, huh? Straight to it. Yeah. I knew what the end goal was. I was like, there's no need to waste time. (laughs) I respect it. I respect it. I wish I knew what the end goal was. All right. So Liz, let's, uh, there's a, there's a few things that you touched upon that I think is super important. Number one, number one. And I think this is the self, the the fact that you're so self-aware just makes me smile, right? Because I love, I love that you are comfortable enough and you are in a place where you know yourself well enough to actually say that I was a shitty student. And obviously it wasn't by choice. It's obviously, right, you said you were working twice as hard. You were trying to catch up with the rest of the nursing students. Um, You just didn't have the knowledge because of the background, because of the public schools that you went to. Um, and on top of that, you had to take extra classes, the summer classes, the, you know, extra classes throughout the semester. So all of that stuff is really important. And I only say that. I say that because I, too, well, I, too, not the same exact situation, but I went to an associate's degree program. And it wasn't because of the schooling. It was straight laziness. I was just a just a bad student. I just tried to take everything. I never studied. I just went to class. And I failed my first semester of nursing school, right? I got back into it took it more seriously and went through it. Um, I'm happy that we're talking about this and we're definitely gonna get back to talking about this um, just because everyone is getting back to school. So I would love, love, love to get into the, you know, the nitty gritty of how you work through all of that crazy difficult times. I think it's just super important and the timing is perfect. Um, Another thing that you mentioned that I really wanna talk about is Exactly. No one ever talks about being a nurse practitioner until you become a nurse. Once you become a nurse, everyone and their mother wants to talk about nurse (laughs) practitioners. But before I became a nurse, I had no idea that that was a career. Mm -hmm. It is crazy to me. I just think I'm like, once I became a nurse, I was like, why didn't anyone tell me this? Right. Why didn't anyone tell me this? Um, That mentorship thing that you have going on is is great. Okay. Thank you. Um, So I I, so let's talk. So you went. um, uh, you mentioned that you wanted to get your advanced practice. I, to this day, still do not know what the difference is between an APRN and an NP. What is the difference? Is there a difference? 
is was it like you went to school you got your advanced practitioners registered nurse license and then you had to get an np license how does that work okay so um aprn is similar to your rn license okay, okay. so aprn stands for advanced practice registered nurse yes so there's different forms that people go by there's aprn they go by APN, Advanced Practice Nurse, they could switch it up. Mm -hmm. And it varies by state as well, the name. But that title basically says that you're an Advanced Practice Nurse. That can either be an MSN or a doctorate as well. So um, the FNP portion of it, um, that is added within the curriculum. So APRN, that just means you either have a master's or a doctorate. Um, and you obtain that credential after you pass your examination so that you could be a nurse practitioner and be an APRN, you could be a nurse educator, be an APRN, you can be anything with a graduate degree, you're an APRN. Now you add on to it what your specific program was. So for me, I was a family nurse practitioner, so it's APRN, FNP. Oh, so okay. if you were APRN, you nurse educator, um, I don't know that they go by any other, no, I think they're just APRN. Yeah. They don't have anything after that because they're not nurse. I mean, they're just nurse educators. Yes. Um, but if they're like an, uh, CRNAs, then it'll be APRN CRNA. Similar. So, so, so what you're saying is everyone that has a master's degree in nursing is considered an advanced practicing nurse. But if you decide that you want to get your NP license, or if you want to get your CRNA license, or if you want to get your midwife license, that's added. Uh, yeah, that's with your schooling. So okay. anyone who goes to graduate school, you decide what degree you're graduating in. And so that's what's going to give you that additional, additional. you know, letter. So FNP or CRNA or whatever it is. Makes but yes. So it's like everyone who's an RN, uh, it's just RN. Whether And then you add on BSN or you could put ADN. Or, you know, it's yes. the same sense. Exactly. Makes sense. It makes sense. So, yeah, so it's good to know. It's finally good for someone to actually explain to me what that is. All of those, you know, abbreviations, letters, all of that good stuff. No, it's so good. Um, so, you know, so you said that you wanted to own your own clinic. And that, for me, is something that I never knew nurse practitioners could do. Is that also state by state? Or do you know general? Could we? And uh, wait. Pause real quick. Are you living in Texas right now, or are you in um, uh, California? I'm in California. Okay. So is it mm -hmm. state by state for the opening a clinic, or is that general, um, is that like a national law? If you're a nurse practitioner, you are eligible to have your own clinic. So nationally, you're able to own your own clinic, but the rules do vary from state to state as to how you go about opening up your own clinic. Some states allow for nurse practitioners to practice independently where they are the sole entity of that clinic and mm. they don't need a overseeing physician. Unfortunately for California and for Texas, which are the two main states that I would reside in or practice in, um, they do require an additional physician to oversee the clinic. And basically what they do, they just like sign charts off. They're not there physically, but they are there, you know, legally. Oh, okay. To review charts or as a resource if you need to contact them okay or, yeah yeah okay so that makes sense that makes sense um so as a as a family nurse practitioner do you are you do you have a focus or are you as general as as just a like a primary care do you do hospital you know cardiac nursing do you do a mental health nursing midwife l and d or are you just primary care i do your yearly checkups like that kind of nurse so um I can do it all if I wanted to. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> it, no, that's and that's the great thing about being a nurse practitioner, family nurse practitioner, yes. is that you can take that degree and basically apply it anywhere. If I wanted to work in the hospital, I could. I'm talking about specific to California. Yes. Maybe the states are different, yeah. but in California, I can practice in the hospital. Um, I consider practicing in the PICU, which is where my experience is from. Mm. But I ultimately decided maybe not what I want to do. Um, I could practice in OB, like you said, um, I, or women's health. I could practice in a specialty like cardiac specific clinics if I wanted to, or even in the hospital. What I chose to do though, 
like I said, my background is on prevention. I want to be the educator. I want to be the person who ultimately will bring knowledge because knowledge is power. So I went with just primary care. And so I saw anybody and everybody from zero to 100 or however long you're going to live and all the diseases in between. So that definitely, I feel, has opened up my practice and has expanded my knowledge as a practitioner uh, because now I can literally go and share the wealth of knowledge that I've you know, gained through my years of experience. But same thing, I do well, wellness, pap smears. You do it all. <laughs> do it all. So, <laughs> comes with the trade. Yes, uh, I love that. I absolutely love that. Good for you. Good, good for you. I just, I'm a little, um, it, it's hard for me to, uh, I know I love my specialties, right? I know even when I went through clinical, I know where I got pulled. Right now, I'm in a cardiac unit. I love the cardiac floor. You used to work at a PICU. I see prevention. I think prevention is the best kind of healthcare because it prevents things from happening instead of fixing problems. So I agree with you on that front. And I don't know if this is just a maturity thing, but I do, like many people would, think that working on a... Uh, uh, cardiac unit or working in a PICU or working in the ICU is intense and is thrilling. I know you're dealing with sick people, but I'm going to be honest, and it is it's super, super thrilling compared to um, giving someone their flu shot or giving someone's their, you know, their measles zooster shot, your booster shot. It, it, do you miss being a nurse in a PICU or is this your true passion and love? Yes, actually, you know, I obviously did miss it. So that is why I ended up going back and continue to do travel nursing, even while I was a nurse practitioner. Mm. So currently, I am not doing a travel assignment. I just finished one up in June. So it's been about two months, I may return to doing travel NP. And that's one of the perks about being a nurse practitioner, is that you have the option to return back to RN at any point in time. So um it does take a lot of time, though, because as an NP, obviously, I'm working full time. If I go and do uh, a travel assignment, it'll be three days a week as well. So um, but every once in a while, I do go back, get my little, you know, boost of like adrenaline that I do love from the ICU because you do miss it. Um, and then I go back. Of but, course. So with that being said, you know, part of the reason I actually do plan on going back to getting my DNP and I plan on adding on acute care and PNPY. I don't know. I just want to do it. <laughs> You're wild. <laughs> You're brave. One of my greatest passions is um, trauma. Really? I love really? trauma. So I don't know. Maybe in the future I'll be a trauma pediatric nurse practitioner is what I hope to do. Um, so good, good. So now we have, we, we, we at least know what your nursing career has built up to be, right? And right now you told us, um, just a quick recap that, uh, you, you became, you knew that you wanted to become a nurse at a really young age. You jumped right into it. As soon as you had the opportunity to get your advanced practicing, um, nursing license, you jumped on that, became an NP, decided on family nurse practitioner because you wanted to open a clinic. Um, you do on occasion miss the pick you the trauma the excitement of being a floor bedside nurse so you do that on occasion but i do have to ask um is it weird because now you're firmly you're a nurse practitioner is it weird going back and working as a regular nurse is like do you feel like you can talk to the docs and say homie i know i got my nursing badge here but i don't agree exactly with what you're doing or do you just step back and you know as a nurse you're just a nurse and you don't like to ruffle any feathers well, no, and obviously I think you, you can relate with being in an acute care setting or an ICU setting. When you are advocating, you are advocating. Exactly. It's your patient. It doesn't matter what my credentials are at the moment. I'm not going to flash my other credentials at you, but you have to trust that I am the nurse and I'm the, you know, I'm caring for this patient. I'm the eyes and the ears. So if I feel something is wrong or I don't agree with something, yes, we I will verbalize it. Is it weird being on the unit? Um, in the beginning, a lot of people know that I am a nurse practitioner. So yes, they're like, oh, you're back. Like, <laughs> putting your NP stuff? What happened? And yes, sometimes it's weird, but actually then I explain the situation. I'm like, hey, I miss it. And they totally understand. And, you know, actually... At the beginning of the year, I had quit my nurse practitioner job 
Wow. Uh, first, different reasons as to why I quit that specific job, but um, I jumped on travel nursing and you know, people are like, what's going on? Why'd you quit your nurse practitioner job? And, you know, to be honest, sometimes it can get a little bit overwhelming. There's more to it that uh, people don't really talk about as being a nurse practitioner. Yeah. Um, so part of it is, um, you know, the, the patient, the amount of patients that they're giving you, maybe the amount of, like for me, I don't know, it's just, it's so much, because you're, you're right, you deal with a lot of psych patients, you deal with a lot of like just different, numerous amount of patients, and sometimes, for me, I come with a background of pediatrics. So I'm like, I like the kids. <laughs> but I want a more even balance. So I'm like, I don't know that I want to see 90% of adults and 10% of children. So sometimes it's just like finding that balance and figuring out for yourself what it is. And so people are always like, I want to find the perfect NP job. <laughs> Does it exist? Who knows? Maybe for some people, but for more people, the population maybe not so so let's so let's talk a little bit about that because you did bring it up and this is something that i feel isn't explained much to people who want to go out and get their np license um yeah. i think it is important to know what you're getting yourself into so when you said that there are differences that aren't mentioned much right do you get as much face time with the patients that you have is the is the patient ratio the same as nursing you do you have five patients that you're taking care of is it or you have like 18 patients what is your main job are you diagnosing and then just putting in the orders are you in front of the computer all day are you do you get to be by the patient's bedside what is your like what is your day like as a nurse practitioner okay. so Okay, I'll give you two days. Okay. So in a primary care clinic mm. and right now in an urgent care clinic where I'm currently working. So um, as a primary care provider, mm -hmm. you're the provider. So you're at a clinic, so there's not necessarily just a set amount of patients. So typically what I would be seeing is about 30 to 35 patients in a day. In a day, uh, I'm sorry, a day is 12 or 8 hours for you. This was a sometimes eight to 10 hours, okay. so it would okay. vary. So it would vary from that. And you know, in the shorter days, maybe it would be a little bit less patients, but I have worked at different clinics as well. So basically what you do, you go in, you have labs to review because you have previously ordered labs or maybe uh, you're carrying, usually with primary care, you have your set same amount of patients. So now you come in, you review your labs, if you need to call someone or change some medications, whatever the case be, you're looking at labs you're constantly looking at the referral orders. So you send someone off to do a CT scan, now you have a CT scan, you send someone off to do ultrasound, now you have the ultrasound results, or you send someone off to do whatever it is that you send off, now you have results, and now you have to catch up on top of that. Um, or even just, you know, your regular wellness labs, like when, and also pap smear results. So that's the beginning of the day. Then here comes the patients, right? They're lined up, you get your scheduled patients, and you get walk-ins you know, and someone's sick, they walk in, um, and now you're rushing from room to room to room to room. I try to allow my patients, you know, the time that they need, but at the same time, I have to keep my pace. So, um, but the great thing about that is that in the beginning, as a new grad, you're still trying to learn how to manage the pace, but as you progress, as you begin to get more experience, you get more, you know, proficient in doing what you're doing, and you get them in and out faster. EMR is what we use, so as I'm seeing the patient, I'm trying to type up my notes so I don't get behind because I do see a lengthy amount of patients. Um, I don't necessarily finish all the charts, but I try to finish them all. And then, you know, you're ordering, if you need to order additional tests, if I need to refer you out, if I need to refill some prescriptions, or maybe now I need to change medications because you're being non-compliant and now you were just on metformin and now we need to add insulin, whatever the case exactly. is. Exactly. Um, okay, so that's more of a primary care setting. And just Are before we before we jump yeah. over to the, uh, the emergency room, I want to ask a couple of questions. Number one, um, it, is it your choice? Do you is it your choice as to how many patients you see because you get paid per patient, or is it the insurers or the hospital policy that you see an X amount of patients? How exactly are you? And and even if it is the hospital policy, are you getting paid per patient, or are you getting paid per hour, or is it a flat salary? It's a flat salary for most cases. Yeah, for most cases, it's just a flat salary unless you're an independent contractor where you're paid hourly. Mm. Um, and so that is two different ways of doing it. Um, 
independent contractor, you're a 1099 versus hourly, uh, sorry, hourly, you're a 1099 salary, you're a W-2 or W-4. Um, but that's just more details. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's so, fine. That's, we don't need to get into that. But um, um, who assigns the patient or is it whoever shows up? Like how, yeah, who picks how many patients you get? on the clinic. Okay. If they are more like independently owned, not really with a big network, then you're more flexible. You get to decide how many patients you get to see and how many are in the schedule. But of course, you do come in with an agreement once you get hired on on how many patients you're expected to see within your work period. So for an eight hour day, maybe somewhere around 20 to 25 is more feasible. For a 10 hour day, anywhere from like 35 is is what they're looking for. Okay. And okay. the way that they allot it is like by 15 hour increment, sorry, 15 minute <laughs> increments for patients. There are always more incentives for if you see more patients and you get like bonuses added on. So that's a perk to working for a bigger organization, but you're more stressed out. Exactly. Is it even worth the bonus? Exactly. That's something that, you know, you have to decide personally. Okay, so um, um, yeah. so the trauma, and if you, your day is a trauma, a trauma nurse practitioner. Or an emergency oh no, well, trauma and uh, urgent care, yes. similar to ER. So as an urgent care, um, I obviously get to do more because now you are treating it kind of like an emergency room, but it's not, right? And a lot of patients still get confused as to what the difference between urgent care and ER is. So, um, but basically there is just walk-in. Yeah. Whoever is walking in, much like an ER, you never know who's gonna walk in, what's gonna walk in. Um, but the type of patients that I get are usually like lacerations, broken bones. You do get your occasional URIs, bronchitis. Um, you also get, um, you know, after a car accidents, you get your workers comp, you know, they get injured on the job. You get, um, I also am, am certified to do like commercial vehicle exams. So it's just, you get a wider variation. But the thing that I enjoy about it is the actual nitty gritty, like doing INDs, the procedures, you know, <laughs> stuff that you, that are fun for me and, you know, you, people. <laughs> you enjoy the nitty gritty? Liz, you were meant to do this. You were meant to do this, girl. Good for you. Good for you. My goodness. Yeah. Um, so that's legit. I mean, that's that's really good to know. And you say, uh, so you do like the urgent care. Um, and you said that you're trying to, right now, you're trying to get into a trauma. You want. So what I am looking into doctoral programs mm. currently and so um, I'm in the middle of trying to figure out when they start and try to apply for that. In the future um, I hope to do that and incorporate maybe trauma NP because that ultimately you know like you said you never you go into nursing not knowing what your passion is truly going to be. I knew I wanted primary care and I love it but then I fell in love with critical care as well and I was like oh <laughs> this is nice too, um, and, uh, and this is good. This is good. Uh, I'm almost done with the nursing questions. Uh, we'll talk about school, and then I really want to talk about the the scrub life. Um, yeah. So yeah. So uh, with the NP, what is the ceiling for nurses? Right. Um, I did read a report probably like five or six months ago that there was a random state. It was somewhere in the middle of the of the country where there was like two or three nurse practitioners that were going to do a surgery. Do, what do you know what your limit is as a nurse practitioner where can you not like what is it like i know there's nurse crnas i know there's nurse midwives mm -hmm. can a nurse go and do and go into an or and do a surgery can a nurse do any of that so as a obviously not nurse but nurse practitioner yes, that's or what I meant. practice registered nurse um it does vary from state to state and it also varies from your uh, credentials. So of course, a family nurse practitioner would not be, possibly not be expected or accepted yeah. into yeah. an OR. Like okay. that probably okay. would not be feasible. They could be like on, you know, just your regular med surge floors, sure. Uh, but you would definitely need your acute care portion if you were gonna try to step into an OR. Okay. Um, and so as a, acute care which is what i'm planning on going back to get my doctoral in because i could get my dmp and have my fnp dnp but it's not going to add on any knowledge it's not going to add on 
anything for me. So I want to go back and expand that range where I am now more marketable and um, able to expand my um, my knowledge as well. Exactly. So as an acute care nurse, you can go into the OR, but typically you are not the one performing the actual surgery because you are never truly trained on being a surgeon. Yes, that's makes that sense. We makes do. sense. But we do and are trained on being first, um, what do they call it, first uh, assist. Assist, okay. So you go in and you do, you know, hand them the instruments for whatever they're needing. You do go in and if you need to do something minor, I'm sure they'll let you do something minor. Uh, but mainly you're just um, suturing up after the procedure. Mm. Uh, obviously you could do internally and externally as well. Wow. Um, wow. And that's something that as a trauma nurse practitioner, I will be doing as well. And that's something I will be in the ER, in the ICU, in the OR. Like, I will be everywhere. Like, I'm oh, with the Lord. trauma team. Anywhere they go, hey, we have <laughs> trauma in the ER. Well, here I come. <laughs> Yo, Liz, you love this. You love this school thing, girl. You love this education thing. I don't know how. I don't know why, but good for you. I wish I were there. I wish I were you. But this is a perfect transition into the conversation I want to have about going back to school. Um, millions of students are going to be going into nursing school. If that is their first entrance into nursing school, if that is their second semester, their second year, or it could be someone going into the end program for the first time, a Q, you know, DNP program for the first time. I want you to break down, because you said that you struggled, especially that first year of nursing. I want you to break down, even if that was the only time you struggled, chances are it's not, but even if that was the only time you struggled, how did you get through that? Because nursing school, for those who don't know, or for those who are going into it for the first time, is an extremely difficult thing. Why Liz is doing so much of it, only God knows. <laughs> <laughs> but please help me and the rest of the world, the rest of the future nurses out there. How do you go through that insanity that is nursing school? Yeah, so definitely it's crazy. First of all, I think your mindset needs to be there. Like your mindset has to be prepared for what's to come. Like you cannot go in there thinking, oh, you know, hopefully I'll pass. <laughs> You have to have a mindset where you are driven for it. And so, you know, that's why most of my posts are motivational, inspirational, because I know what it's like to be unmotivated. I mean, it's, it's easy to get unmotivated when you're in nursing school and you're struggling and you'd rather be hanging out with your friends or going to the movies or, you know, it's easy to get distracted. But the fact is, if it is truly a passion, if it is truly something that you want, you just have to be hungry for it. There is no and ifs or but about it. So what pushed me was the hunger, right? So the background, okay, cool. It debilitated, it debilitated me, but it did not break me. Yes, so yes. I did not allow it to do that. Um, so what was I doing? Anytime that someone would text me, hey, Elizabeth, what are you doing? <laughs> Studying. Again, again, the next thing, <laughs> and then, I, you know, after some months, then they would study <laughs> a year later, study. They're like, man, this girl just never <laughs> stops studying. And so, but of course you have to have a balance. You cannot just constantly be studying. So yes, studying was most of my life. <laughs> and that's how you truly get to overcome that, right? You have to... Um, take advantage of the tutoring sessions that are offered you know at school take advantage of if you have a mentor perfect you know get connected with a mentor if you can um if you have an upperclassman that you can go to for you know knowledge and wisdom definitely do that because that will ultimately help you and push you um but as far as like specifics like hey what did you do that is different than what i'm doing um it's I think it's a, a trade to learning how to study, especially during nursing school. Yes, it's definitely yes. not undergrad, and it's definitely not any of that. So there is a specific way that you study during nursing school and grad school as well um, that you have to learn how to do. It's and, a whole other session. Exactly. Lesson. <laughs> 
I'm 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 really happy. And per usual, there's a couple of things that you mentioned that I think that are just super, 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 super important. And you hit it right on the head. Um, because um, number one, the finding out how to study is super important because Liz couldn't tell you how to study. Q can't tell you how to study because the way you study is the way you study. The exactly. issue is you have to figure that out, right? So we can't tell you that you need to do a million note cards, flashcards, because that might not work for you. We can't tell you to record lectures and listen to it on your headphones. That might not work for you. So you need to figure it out. It is trial and error, and that's why the first few um, semesters, first few years of nursing school is rough. But once you figure it out, you get it, and then you can power through. And then the other thing that you mentioned that really saved me as a nursing student was finding I didn't have a mentor. Um, it was the upperclassmen and the, cl the kids in my class, um, my, the colleagues in my class that were doing better than me. I had to get the courage of saying, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what the teacher's talking about. I am confused. I need your help. Um, and just opening up and being honest, number one, 98% of the time, three other people in the class are going to be like, wait, Q, me too. Can I hear what the answer is? And then, and then number two, that's the only way you're going to know. Um, everyone else is going to know what you don't know and you can catch up. Exactly. If you pretend you do know when you don't know, you're going to fail. It's going to make everything a lot more difficult. So um, I'm happy that you said both of those things. I really am. Um, okay. This, that was good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For all you future nursing students, you can thank Liz for all this good info we're getting here. Um, now let's talk about you doing um, uh, uh, scrub life, um, scrub life dreaming. So it's just because we just like, I mean, you guys are witnessing this conversation as we have it, but... Um, she just explained to us all of the schooling that she's been, the, the struggles that she had to go through on top of the fact that she wants to go back into schooling and, and she's popping on Instagram <laughs> and she has her own website and you are the founder of Scrub Life Dreaming. That is amazing. So um, tell me, when did this start throughout your nursing career? When did you decide to start the Scrub Life um, Dreaming and what is it all about? Okay, so Scrub Life Dreaming is a platform that stands for, you know, motivation, inspiration, and also information. So when I first started my, you know, organization, actually I'm in the middle of making it a nonprofit organization. So all of the profits that I am making, I am giving it back. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm all about primary prevention, I'm all about education, and what my whole vision for Scrub Life Dreaming ultimately is, is for me to be able to do community events in the community where we are able to give back, go to mission trips, you know, to third world countries with this nonprofit organization. Um, I also hope to be a mentor and have mentors that I am going to train to be mentors to um, help the next generation of nursing because ultimately I'm in the middle of, of establishing as a nonprofit organization any of the proceeds that I am get, getting from like the merchandise or whatever else that I'm doing um, will be reimbursed into the community as far as community events that I hope to host and as well as future mission trips to third world countries that we plan on doing um, Along with it, we do a we are starting the mentorship program part of it, where I am training the mentors to be uh, mentors to the mentees that we will be uh, coming on board. So that's something new. I do have a team um, since it is an organization now. We're no longer a company. We are involving uh, now board members, which is something that I will be disclosing as the months go by. We do have events that we. Are going to be doing uh, we want to come to you so if you guys want me or scrub life dreaming and our team to come to your school definitely book us I have now put a book online uh, on the website and basically it's a free event for either pre nursing students or nursing students those are the two courses that we have open right now and we come and we will teach you on pre nursing and we will teach you on how to focus you know during nursing school how to pass those classes so that's where we'll personally be able to teach you those tips and tricks awesome. um, so in the future we're going to be opening up more uh, workshops available but uh, currently we only have those two right now um, and I actually speaking of I'm going to be having an event in Houston the first 
uh, I guess I could call it the second workshop. I'll have one here in LA at a high school prior to two weeks prior, but September 29th um, in Houston, I will be having a success nursing workshop and that's going to be for everybody. Mm. Anywhere from pre nursing to nurse practitioners, nurseprepreneurs, everybody and in between. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That'd be, I'm just, uh, when did, when in your nursing career did you decide you were going to do this? Um, and then how did you go from, I'm a nurse, I just doing my thing to, exploding to how big you are on Instagram like how did that happen so I actually along with um, what had happened you know within you know when I told you I was 15 years yes. old even before this just growing up and seeing the poverty you know as I went back to my parents home native country uh, I saw all the poverty so I knew that I had to get back I knew that somehow some way I was destined to you know, host mission trips, host community uh, centers, whatever it is that my vision is, like I've been having it for years and years and years. Now, how did that collide? I didn't know what I was creating at the time. So that's the beauty about just starting. Sometimes it's just motion. You just start moving and you start moving and slowly things will get revealed to you. So did I have like this whole vision from the beginning? No, but slowly it started to get revealed to me and revealed through me uh, through prayer, of course, right? what is it that I'm supposed to do? Someone asked me a question. They said, Elizabeth, if you had all the funding and if you had all of the money to just do whatever you wanted to do, what would your purpose be? What would you be doing right now? You didn't have to worry about nothing. I'm like, nothing, nothing. I don't have to worry about nothing. And my answer was, I would start a nonprofit organization. And so with me having had started Scrub Life Dreaming, you know, I started to dig, dig deeper you know, dig deeper, dig deeper. And I found that this was it. I was like, this, this doesn't have to be just one thing. This entity can be multiple things. I can be, have the mentorship program. I can do community events with it. I can do the nonprofit or, you know, sorry, the mission trips that I want to do. So, so this is where the beginning is and definitely not the ending. I, 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 and it's so, it's so, so, so true because you really don't know. Like for me, this, this nursing YouTube channel that I have, um, I started this, the podcast that I do, I started this just wanting to be in front of the camera, wanted to share my thoughts and my, and then I became a nurse. I started this before I be, was an actual nurse. And then once I became a nurse, nursing is just what I love. It's my passion. So I wanted to share nursing, my love mm -hmm. for nursing with the rest of the world and get the, get those conversations happening and yes 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 um, the fact that you just start something and in in just by being in motion just by putting in the work into what your immediate goal is things open up and you never know what door is gonna open up you never know what opportunity is gonna come your way but they do come your way if you put in the work prior um, and then what you said about wanting to give back if you had all the funding in the world, I think it's amazing because I know as a lot of people who are in healthcare, it's so easy to be like, I give enough because I'm a nurse, because I'm a doctor, because I'm, I'm a CNA. I do enough giving. You yeah. are a nurse. You were a nurse practitioner. You, I mean, you go into more school to be more educated so you can help more people. And then on top of that, you have this nonprofit that, uh, um, this organization that is now switching to a nonprofit. Uh, that Liz, just just amazing. Like honest to God, just amazing because I'm Thank you. all of this YouTube stuff, I can't even lie. I'm not even gonna front. There is no nonprofit or you know <laughs> with this situation with I am. I'm, I'm not making any money. But yeah. at the same time, I can't say that. I can't. And I do a lot of my giving at work. So the fact that you're doing both is absolutely fantastic. Fantastic, Liz. Fantastic. A couple Thank more um, questions. I've had you for a super long time. Um, and this is just a little bit about everything, okay? Um, I really do appreciate it. But do you have anything else that is happening with uh, Scrub Life um, that you want to mention, that you want to talk about? Or can I just go ahead and ask the next question? Oh, you can go ahead right. and, and perfect perfect all right so i'm in massachusetts i'm in boston massachusetts and right now there's a bill that's coming up in november that would put in a mandated patient limit california oh. is the only other state that has mandated patient limits yeah I, I don't know how long you've been in california I, I don't even think you're old enough to have been there before the mandate became a law but 
Wait, first of all, were you there before the mandate was uh, before the mandate or has it I, always I been? After, yeah. So I've okay. only been here in two and a half years. Oh, so okay, 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 okay. Definitely came after. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even want to ask if you think it's a good thing, but over here in Boston, in Massachusetts, it's super, super split. Do you know, talking to your other colleagues, talking to the coworkers, just being in California, are the nurses like super happy about the mandate? Does it cause more problems than it fixed? Are, are nurses happy? Do you think patients are safer? Like, do you have any insight or is it just what everything has well, been? Definitely, I have plenty of insight. So um, coming from Texas, Texas, I'm going to assume as much like Massachusetts, there is no law yeah. at all. Um, unions are illegal in texas oh, like we are not even allowed to have them so i don't know if you know but texas is one of the strictest states um and coming from just the amount of uh yeah the safety of the patients like i remember having a patient on ecmo and being paired with somebody like this is how unsafe texas was in an icu of course That's you know insane. anyone who has an icu experience knows that that is not parable. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, so uh, going back to now coming to California, I got to witness a whole different side of nursing. I was like, what is this? I actually get breakfast break. That's amazing. I get a lunch break. Oh, and now I get an afternoon break. What are you talking about? But um, those unions are very, very, very powerful and have definitely instituted those rules I believe is was the unions who allowed that to happen here in California yeah. and um, there I can witness and say that everyone is happy yeah the patients are happy the nurses are happy you have a higher um, a less turnover rate and a higher um, what is it retention, retention rate yes exactly so I, I feel like people are overall happy with that. I, and, I, and, and it's good to hear. Um, it, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but there's a few details that people are you know, going back and forth with. Um, uh -huh. But it's good to, what I'm happy to hear, at least coming from you, is knowing that the nurses are happy. The patients, I mean, us nurses, we'll do whatever we have to do to get our patients to be safe and healthy. But um, yeah. it, it is nice to know that the, the, the nurses are happy and that they like it. Um, Massachusetts is not like Texas, where we uh, we do have a bunch of unions, and they are the majority of the push for the bill. So I do agree with you on that. And um, but it's not like um, California because we don't have the bill yet. Um, and then this is the last question I have for you. That's a little off kilter. I don't know how much you know about this, but I'm going to ask anyways because you're in California and similar to Boston, marijuana, the good old weeds. Um, so it's now legal recreationally in California, and it just became legal recreationally here in Massachusetts. Oh, wow. Is, I had no idea. Yeah, it just did. Uh, we're, we're moving on up. We're just following you guys' lead. We're just following y'all. Um, oh, my. Do you see that as an issue? As a healthcare provider, as a human being, as just a person, are you for it? Are you against it? Do you have any say about it? Do you not care? Do you have any feelings towards um, I haven't really thought much of it. Okay. To be honest, it's more, I mean, if it's, now it is legal, like you said, for recreational purposes, and that, of course, has some limitations to it, but I feel if that's something that you want to explore, and it's something that you want to do, then that is your personal business, but do I feel as, like, medically, um, I feel it would benefit some people more than others, yes, like, people who have cancer, definitely, I'm um, for it, whatever it is, like I feel like you have one life to live, and that life means that you're gonna smoke some weed to feel better, <laughs> and not be in pain. Then sure, Dude. I am all for it, uh, because like I said, it's only one life you have to live, and why not uh, do what is necessary to get the full length of that life? Yes. Uh, but as far as like, you know, there's not really much studies on weed, so I can't say that I'm against it as well as you know for lung diseases or cancers i mean it hasn't necessarily been linked to that so i can't say that i'm against it um for those purposes so i'm kind of just uh, non yeah no makes sense <laughs> and i appreciate it and i like the honesty and the thing is it's good because you're right because before it was legal you couldn't do studies on it because it was illegal now that it's legal studies are coming out every single day um and hopefully one day we will know the facts objectively and then we both can say yes no maybe so um 
you're an NP, so you're allowed to diagnose people. I mean, not diagnose, prescribe medications. Um, and, and I promise this is the last question, and then we'll be done. Okay. Thank you so much, Liz. Um, but you're an NP, and you can prescribe medications. With this, um, the epidemic of the opioids in the country, is this something that is constantly in the front of your mind, or... Or when you're in the hospital, and if you hear a patient say they're in pain, you automatically order what is according to, I don't know, the guidelines say, ordered this much of Oxy, ordered this much of Vicodin, ordered this. Is that how it works now? Or is do nurse practitioners, doctors, pre prescribers have a say? Can you guys say, no, I'm not going to follow the guideline. I don't think that this patient deserves to get this much or should get this much. So how, how do you guys deal with this opioid situation? Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It is It is a problem and it's, you know, all nation, you know, nationwide. Um, de most definitely you have a say because at the end of the day it is your license that you have to protect it is your license that you are risking when you're prescribing these o opioids and i want to say that it varies from state to state not all states allow for nurse practitioners to prescribe all the scheduled drugs i think some states allow for schedule five schedule four schedule three drugs but the scheduled one schedule two which are obviously the higher ones mm -hmm. um, are not allowed Currently here in California, I can prescribe all five, which is great. Um, but um, yes, I'm cautious. I'm cautious when I see a patient. If I feel that they are here for an opioid addiction, which is common, right? Um, we have what's called cures here in California. California, I don't really recall what the full what cure stands for. Basically, it's for controlled use, and it'll give you a history as to when the last time they used. Um, that specific drug or any opioid. And that way, if you feel like they are potentially just drug seeking, then you can say, hey, sorry, we're not allowed to. It's just, you need to go see your primary care provider or, because currently I'm in an urgent care, yes. or a pain specialist. We do refer out to pain specialists. When I was doing primary care, I would get a lot of the chronic pains, yeah. for sure. And um, I would prescribe maybe, Within range, right? Obviously, it's up to the sorry, the provider's discretion. It's a you know, you're now just making the decisions. You are the decision maker. You decide whether you feel this patient needs it or does not need it based on your examination, based on the history, based on the diagnosis, um, and then you come up with that decision. So, um, I would prescribe it, but in limitations. And if I felt like it was just getting overboard pain. A management is or a pay specialist is who I would refer out to. Perfect. Liz, I really do appreciate this. I am so, so, so sorry about all the choppiness. When I do the editing, it will, I promise, come out much, much nicer than the 100 calls that I had to do for you. I, I apologize. I really do. Um, but with that being said, please shout out. Tell the people, tell the folks at home, tell the nurses around the world, where can they find you? All right, so um, I go under Scrub Life Liz on Instagram. I'm also in the middle of building a YouTube channel, so it's under um, Nurse Liz as well. So soon you'll find me on there, and I'll promote it whenever I'm ready to start that. But Scrub Life Liz, guys, find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Awesome. Thank you so, so, so very much, Liz. Um, thank you.